we're talking this month. Um, we always, uh, uh, for the last few years, have um, talked about being thankful during Thanksgiving. Kind of seems appropriate, doesn't it? So this year, I started thinking about how thankful I am for all the people that went before us. All the people that that set it up so we could have what we have today. All the people that set it up so we could do what we do today. And um, I'm just really, really thankful for that. So this month is going to be a little bit different. Um, we turned the volume down a little bit. We played a few hymns. And, and we're, uh, we're not just giving a, a patronizing nod to, to the older generation. We're saying, no, 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 what you did was important. Amen? What you did was important. And so we're just saying thank you. And we're going to talk about how important it is for a legacy to be left, for people to remember. Amen? And we're going to do that through this month, the month of November. And, uh, and we're just talking about God's goodness all through uh, all through our history. And I've, I've got a fortunate to have a great, um, a great legacy that I'm living towards and uh, of people who've who in my family lived it before me, and I'm thankful for that. And so um, it's good to be here. I'm glad you're here this morning. And um, we got some good news. They started installing electrical stuff in Berkeley Springs, and they worked this week on that. And so that's a really, really good thing. And we're hopefully to be going up there this week and starting to install some of the lighting and sound and video stuff. And, and so um, I still... I'm still believing God that we're going to start that church this year uh, in Berkeley Springs, right? Right. And then um, you heard Skip say earlier, uh, we got our building permit for Bernice Avenue. And if you do any type of masonry work, come see me. And uh, we're going to get started on um, kind of making sure the foundation is right uh, to meet code before we start building on it. So, so thankful for that. And how many of you know God provides? Sometimes it just looks like work. Amen. I know everybody wants a money tree dropped in their backyard. Sometimes God says, get up, go to work. And so he gave us the opportunity to, um, to have funding for this new church through building a house. And it's right. If, if you haven't been coming to this church very long, you know, we built things. And um, are you going to find out we built things? And, and so, uh, so God dropped it right in our laps and, and it's right in our wheelhouse. So we're thankful for that. Amen. Um, I want to say one thing uh, about politics. Tuesday, you can go vote. If you haven't already, if you have already, thank you. Tuesday, you can go vote. Here's all I'm going to say about it. God made us the freest people in the, in the world. The gospel goes forward from the United States farther and faster than any country on the planet. And we are living, we are living in a remarkable time where we as American Christians can fund the gospel going all over the place. And so God give, gave us this ability to vote in this country. And so my, my argument is not, is just this. If God gave us the freedom to do it, we should do it. Amen? We should do it. Read your Bible and go vote. And, um, and, and I believe we should take advantage of the freedom that God has given us while we have it. Amen? And do that. So there you go. What is he going to say? Stand on your feet. Joshua chapter 4, verse 1 through 10. We want to welcome all those watching online. Mountaineer Recovery Center, uh, Fort Dietrich Fire Department, all those wonderful people all over the country that are watching and joining. Uh, they're part of the Hope Community family and part of the gospel going forward. We're so thankful for them. We're going to talk about how to remember things today. Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. Are you ready? Say amen if you're ready. First service is good. Second service is going to depend on you. Joshua chapter 4. 
When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodged tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them, that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off so that these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood and they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. Father, we thank you so much. Lord, you have been faithful. Our story is marvelous and wonderful. So God, today we pray that you'd help us put stones down. Lord, we're so thankful for the stones that were placed for us to look at. And Lord, we pray we'd be a generation of people that trust you enough to make our place our own stones. Help us to leave a legacy, Lord. And help us to remember the one that went before us. Thank you today for your goodness. In Christ's name, everyone said. Amen. You may be seated. We are um, coming to the culmination of 40 years of wandering in the desert. Some of you may remember back in Exodus that the Israelites were in captivity in Egypt. They were slaves and God constructed a grand plan for an escape. And he picked a guy named Moses to challenge Pharaoh and lead the people out of Egypt. It all works. By the way, Job knew that no plan of God could be thwarted. If God set a plan for your life to deliver you, you will be delivered. Amen? So he delivers them. They, um, they get out. God brings them miraculously to the edge of a land that he had promised Abraham, Isaac, and their forefather Jacob that he had promised over uh, generations to give to them. He brings them to the edge of this land and Moses sends in 12 spies and they come back with bad report. At least all 10 of them do. Two of them uh, decide that they could do it. So you know how it works when there's 10 and 2, the two lose. So they, um, they wander around in the wilderness for the next 40 years. God's faithful to them, but they don't. That generation never enters into the promised land. Now Moses is dead and Joshua is leading. He's Moses' protege. Joshua is leading now. Now they're at the edge of the promised land again, uh, but the situation's a little different. They're going this time. They're not going to stand on the edge of the promised land and just wonder. They're going. But there's a, there's a river between them and the land they're going into. It's called the Jordan River. And by the way, at this time of year, when they're getting ready to cross on the Jordan River, across the Jordan River, uh, across from a place called Jericho, which they will overtake, the Bible tells us that this river is in flood stage right now. Now, it's not the little Cacapon River in flood stage. 
If you do a little research, you find out that this river could have been 100 feet wide at the time and 10 feet deep in the middle at flood stage roaring down through this property, this, this ground. So God gets uh, Joshua together and he says, hey, listen, if you take the priests of the Ark of the Covenant and you walk them down into the river, I'll back the water up. To which Joshua replied, yeah, that's what I was thinking. How many of you have ever had a mir- God say he's going to do a miracle in your life? You're like, that one? Really, that's the one. So he says, you have the priest with the Ark of the Covenant walk down. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was something that symbolized the presence of God. And it was no joke. You didn't touch it. You didn't, it, it was to be carried a specific way. It was to be handled a specific way. And it symbolized the presence of God. And, and God has instructed Joshua, let the priest walk down into the water first. And I'll back the water up. Now we find out that he backs the water up so far upstream in a town. I'm going to tell you something. That was the worst flood that town had ever seen. He backed the water up so far that they couldn't even see where he backed it up to. But God said, what will happen is the priest will be able to walk down and stand in the middle of the Jordan River during flood stage. And it will be dry and all the people will be able to walk down through there. He says, when you're walking down through there, pick up 12 stones Now he said, pick 12 guys from the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 sons of Jacob. They end up becoming the 12 tribes of Israel. And he says, I want you to pick one guy from each tribe. When you get down to the bottom of the river, I want you to pick up. Now, remember what he said? On on your shoulder. He didn't say pick up a pebble. He said a full grown man should pick up a stone on his shoulder and carry it up out of that river and take it with you to where you're going to lodge tonight and stack them up. That way, when your children see those stones, you'll tell the story of how faithful God was. Boy, that's a good story, isn't it? That's a really good story. Hey, how'd you guys get over here? That was pretty easy. God backed up the Jordan River during flood stage. I mean, there's a little monument down the street there about how that happened. It was a miraculous story. There's a couple things we're going to look at today about how that happened and us following a legacy and us leaving a legacy. First thing I want to point out to you is, um, is that they had to follow in order for the miracle to happen. If you look at, uh, if you look at Joshua chapter 3, the chapter before what we just read, I'll read it to you. It says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Shatim and they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, And lodged there before they had passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there should be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know that you, the way you should go. For you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Okay. Everybody likes formulas. Here's how it works. Joshua followed God. The priests followed Joshua. The people followed the priests. And then the stones were set up. If we're going to leave a legacy, we have to follow somebody. I, um, I started realizing I'm 44 years old and my, um, I got good parents. And uh, how, how, many of you, how many of you remember saying like, oh, I'll never say that? Anybody remember saying those? I'll, I'll, never, I'll never do that to my kids. And then one day you woke up and you were 40 and you were like, I... I I said the exact phrase. Then my dad, it's going to hurt me more than it did you. I didn't believe it back then. Anybody do that face aging app a couple, couple, what was it, a year ago now? There's a face aging app that you could get on your phone. They said it was a spy. I downloaded it anyway. I don't even care. Downloaded it anyway. And I took a picture of myself. And I was uh, probably about 43 at the time. Took a picture of myself. And um, I thought, well, 
surely this is going to turn out well. I'm going to add 20 years to it. We'll just see how it goes. So I'll be about 63 years old. I hit the age thing, you know, the wheel spins and anticipation and, and you hold, and I was, just, I almost dropped my phone. If you held up in, in my line, not even close to lying. If you held up a picture of my father currently and that phone with my face, we were, we were clones of each other. I cut my hair the same way he does. I don't even know how that happened. I don't even like it. It's just, it's just every time I go into the bar, I'm just like, hey, just cut it, just fade it up short. It's like in my DNA or something. I don't even know how it happened. You end up becoming your parents. Is that true? For those of you who are 20, you're like, there's no chance. Sucker, you just wait. You just wait. You're going to wake up at 45 years old one day and you're going to be like, oh, 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 I'm exactly my, I'm exactly my mom. I'm exactly my dad. It's in your genetics. You can't fight your genetics. Can't fight. I don't care how I cut your hair. It'll grow back just like theirs. There's something important you have to understand here that we, we lose in this in this culture we have now of, of everybody doing their own thing and being their own people and, and running ahead, doing all this stuff, is that for a miracle to happen, Joshua told them, follow behind the Ark of the Covenant far enough that you could see what they were doing. Now, 2,000 cubits is about 1,000 yards, about, a th- about 10 football fields. He said... The reason you want to do that is because you've never been here before. Come on. He said it would be good for you to follow somebody because you've never been here before. And if you stay back far enough, you can then contextualize what they're doing. Because if you, you know what I think Joshua's fear was? If they got right up beside the priest going left and right, they would start arguing with him about those directions. Come on. If you want to see my wife and I fight, put us in a car and tell her to tell me where to go. Come on. Is that true? Come on. I'll say, hey, do you have the map pulled up? She didn't even play around anymore. We've been married too long. She just gets the map up and hands it to me. There's no chance she's going to try to interpret that map for me to take her left or right. She's like, we, if we're going to walk beside each other, it's going to all be you. You're driving. So in my truck, I put a little thing right there so I, I can see it because she'll put the map up and then, and then she, even if we get lost, she's like, you're looking at the map. Isn't it true the most that you disagreed with your parents is when you were trying to walk beside them? Come on, when I was 20, I was trying to walk beside my parents, not behind them. When I was 18, I was trying to walk beside them, not behind them. When I was 16, I wanted to walk beside them, not behind them. Now that I'm 40, I know there's a little distance between us. They become smart. Anybody? All of a sudden, you're like, oh, how'd you get that smart? And they're like, well, you just stop being dumb. (laughs) The problem is I wasn't willing to fall back far enough to be able to interpret what they were doing. I had never been there before, but I wanted to decide where we were going even though I had never been there. And so Joshua says, step back a thousand yards so that when they make a decision, you have time to see how good it worked out because you've never been there before. So here's here's the deal. We're always trying to throw out, like we're gonna do our own thing. No, 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 no. The biblical narrative, the biblical pattern is that you step back far enough to see the patriarchs in front of you, be able to turn to the right, turn to the left and why they did it and how God blessed them when they did it and how God, how God navigated their lives when they did it. Not to stand up beside them and tell them it was wrong, but to stand back far enough and go, hey, look, that turned out really well at the end. So we get to do that with our parents. And we get to 16, 17, 18 years old, we're criticizing everything. 20, 23, criticizing everything. And that's fine if you're doing it right now. Just know for you to be successful, you should drop back a little bit. Drop back a little bit. It's not always good to take a snap right up close. Sometimes you got to go in. 
shotgun, right? If you're young, why don't you just step back a little bit? Stop criticizing what's happening. Step back a little bit and try to understand what's happening. Because here's what I know if you're young. You ain't never been there before. And what might look like fear to you might be wisdom to them. Ah. Come on, old people. I thought you were going to be on my side this morning. I was thinking about you the whole time we did this. Joshua says, you've never been there before. Step back. Step back and give them time to make the right decision for you to follow. Don't be so impatient. Don't be so critical. Don't be so, don't be so hard on them. But step back and let God lead them and then you follow them. And I, I, I tell you, now that I have adult kids, I wish I'd have stepped back sometimes when I was growing up. I wouldn't have had to make all the mistakes that I made if I had just stepped back a little bit instead of, instead of saying older people didn't know what they were talking about. If I had stepped back a little bit and really analyzed what was happening and how they were trusting God and how they were walking through rivers on dry ground that I couldn't understand. So he says, if you're going to, if you're going to stack up stones, you got to follow. You can't, you can't get out of that. Joshua followed God. The priests followed Joshua, the people followed the priests, and the stones were set up. No matter how big we get, we can never stop following. The miracle never happens because we run out in front of our own strength. It happened because we follow the one who does the miracles. The best legacy I can leave for my kids is to see them follow, me following. Is to see them me being patient with people in front of me. The best thing I can leave for my kids is to let them watch me drop back a little bit and let people that go before me make decisions and value those decisions and honor those decisions. Not, not be critical of them all the time but say, man, you know what? That ended up being a really smart thing. God does miracles when we follow. Amen? By the way, we just covered all of Psalm 23. And didn't we talk about David was following the whole time? He leads me. He makes me. Walking through the valley of the shadow of death. He prepared a table before him. He was following the whole time, even as king. So we got to learn how to follow. Amen? If you're going to stack up a legacy, if you're going to stack up stones at the end, you got to learn how to follow. So they, Joshua said, follow back. And, and what's going to happen is when they, um, when the priests get to the river, hundred feet wide, rushing river, could have been 10 feet deep in the middle over their heads, rapid pace of water. When the priest stepped their toe in the water, carrying the ark, I'm going to back the water up. I'm going to back it up. And you'll be able to go across on dry land. The problem is, um, is there anybody here that would want to have been the priest on the front of the ark at that time? Anybody? You're like, dude, I love going first. Could you imagine? Can I just be honest about how miracles happen in my life? Here's how it happens. Okay, I'm carrying the ark. You got the pole. You got the whole thing. That's how they did it. Carried it the right way. Walk it through. You, you see the water. It's not, it's not a new phenomenon for them. The, the Jordan River flooded, was at flood stage this time of year, every year. So the dude knows. The two guys in the front know. So it's not like they're walking up here, we're going to back up the water. You know how miracles work, don't you? You walk up to the edge and your knees start shaking a little bit. You look under the ark at the next guy, you're like, dude, are we doing this for real? Okay. Okay. Somebody's got to step in the water, don't they? You know what? I, you know what I've heard. You know what I used to hear for years. I, I don't hear it anymore. Well, God's getting ready to do something. I, I just feel we're on the edge of the river, getting ready to go in. We're on the edge of the river. I thought. I thought, we've been on the edge of the river for 20 years. 
We built houses on the edge of the river. We sat on the edge of the river and watched the river go flood stage to no stage, flood stage. We just, we're just sitting here on the edge of the river. And I used to think, why doesn't anybody ever put their foot in the water? Because, because the whole issue was God did not want them sitting there looking at the flooded river. He wanted them occupying the other side of the flooded river. Amen. He didn't want them mesmerized by what could happen. He wanted them to live in the blessing he had already provided for them. So somebody carrying the ark had to take the first step into the water. Somebody had to do it. Somebody had to say, okay, Joshua told us that this is what God promised. And so if he promised it, we're going to carry this wooden box symbolizing the presence of God. And we're going to step in the river. Joshua chapter 3, verse 14. So the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. And those flowing down toward the sea of Arabah, the salt sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all the Israel was passing over on dry ground until the nation finished passing over the Jordan. So let me tell you how this works. God prepares the circumstances. The promised land is right over there. Here's the circumstance. You carry the ark. The river will back up. You cross over. So here's what it looks like. God prepares the circumstance. Our faith completes the circuit. Do you get that? God prepares the circumstance. Our faith completes the circuit. So it's like a big switch. Here's all the power that you need. I will guarantee you that if you pick up the Ark of the Covenant and you walk it into that river, it will back up. Okay, that's what God says. So let's stand here and everybody just stands still and Stephen backs up. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. You have to then exercise faith to complete the circuit. And you flip the switch because the power is available. But if you don't flip the switch of faith, the power is never exercised. Wouldn't it be so much nicer if by the time we got up to the river, it was already dry? Oh, man, that's the way I pray every day. Lord, just make it easy cheesy for me today. I don't want to have to step in any water. I don't want to carry an ark. I don't want to do anything. I want to wake up. I want everybody to like me, everything to be smooth, all the money I want. Lord, if you love me, you'll make it really nice and cushy. And when I have to spend the night in a hotel, they got a pillow just like I like. Come on, the little things of life, right? The little things. Spent a night in a hotel the other night. My neck was all cranked up. I thought, Lord, at least you could have given me a pillow that I liked. He said, you could have brought your own. I provided you with the room. The power is available. Faith completes the circuit. Power is available. Faith completes the circuit. The problem is the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and quickens your mortal body. And so what happens is then when we apply that faith to our life, whack, the circuit closes. It's like a big breaker closing and then the power is able to flow through. I will stop up the river if you step in it. I will stop the river if you step in it. God always causes us to exercise when he wants us to to deliver us. When he wants to do something miraculous in our lives, he says, I'll provide you the power. You just got to step in it. I'll provide you the power. You just have to, your faith has to complete the circuit. I have to trust him. I have to be able to step in the water. I have to be able to make that that commitment. So somebody has to carry the ark. Somebody has to walk across. Somebody has to pray. Somebody has to believe. Somebody has to give. Somebody has to forgive. Somebody has to forget. Somebody has to do something for it to work out. Amen. The problem is, is that most of the time, none of it makes any sense. 
Come on, if you drew up a plan for the Israelites to cross the Jordan River, it wouldn't be carrying a wooden box to symbolize the presence of God down into the water and then wait for it to back up. That wouldn't be your choice, and it wasn't their choice. I'd have been thinking, hey man, can we make a floating barge? Can we tie it off? Let's build a, let's build a ramp. Will it give everybody snorkels? Doesn't make any sense. God, why would you do it that way? The problem is, it never makes any sense to forgive somebody who hasn't asked for it. The power's there, you gotta complete the circuit. Well, they didn't ask. Okay, then the power's not gonna be released. It doesn't make any sense to be generous when I could use the money. The power's there, but in order for the circuit to be completed, faith has to be acted on. Come on, are you following me? It doesn't make any sense to do good to someone who persecutes you. The power is available, but until we complete the circuit and do good to those who persecute us, it's not going to happen. So God always says, I know it doesn't make sense. I know no part of this makes sense. I know it doesn't make sense to walk into the water. I know it doesn't make sense, but that's where faith completes the circuit. That's where faith completes the circuit. So somebody's got to step in the water. Somebody has to do it. Here's what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful that there are people before me that stepped in the water. Amen? Every time I walk in this building, um, matter of fact, did you know that that building was the original building to this church? It was on Butts Mill Road, that little wood structure there. Um, it was on Buttsville where we still, there's a cemetery to the, to the left side of that building uh, that is still there today. We're doing a big sale on cemetery plots. That's a joke. <laughs> That's a joke. So um, by the time I came along, that building was gone, but there was the outhouse to that building was still there. And there was a guy named Bernard Murphy who lived, who had a farm right across the street from that church. And I remember when I first became youth pastor here, we used to gather up a bunch of teenagers and take him to his farm and he would pay us as a fundraiser to pick up rocks. Oh yeah. I remember doing fundraisers, the old style rock picking fundraiser. I remember that was a famous one in churches years ago. Uh, what are you doing for a fundraiser for the kids? We're going to collect rocks. Yeah. Out of fields. Because here's what I know. It doesn't matter what you plant in a field. It produces rocks. I don't even know how that happens. We take kids in there and pick up truckloads of rocks, go back next year, and guess what? Pick up truckloads of rocks. I don't know where they come from. So we used to do that. And I think I took down the last standing structure that was there on that property. It was an outhouse. Come on, somebody be thankful for indoor plumbing right now. Somebody. Somebody be thankful that when you got to go, It's private and it flushes. Huh? That outhouse was outside. What if somebody pulls up in their car while you're in the... I mean, that's weird. Thankful. How about thankful that we got heat this morning and nobody's stoking the fire? How about thankful that we got air conditioned and nobody... How about thankful, amen, that somebody stepped in the water on Butts Mill Road and made it happen. And then we moved to this property. 1976. I am so thankful. We haven't put a plaque on this building yet, but I'm so thankful on the old building right out front. There's a plaque on the front of it that says 1976. A lot of good stuff happened in 19. I was born in 1976. Now I could do the whole thing where like God knew the year I was born that I'd be here, and He built that building for me. I do it. But you know what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful that there were people who still attend this church who were in a newspaper clipping with a shovel digging the first pile of dirt out of that property right over there to leave a legacy that we could build on. And every time I walk in the door, I can look over and see 1976. Somebody stepped in the water in 1976. And I'm going to tell you something. Hedgesville was not the metropolis it is now. We got two stoplights and a Martins now. Come on, don't fool yourself. 
things like the suburbs of big cities down here. It wasn't like that, but somebody stepped in the water over there and bought a piece of property on this corner. That's good stuff. Somebody was faithful to step in the water and then all of us could follow. So I happen to come from a pretty awesome legacy of, of Christian people. My great-grandfather um, got saved when he was 16 years old. I remember him telling, us, telling me the story. He, he got saved, and his dad told him, who obviously wasn't saved, and, and my grandfather got saved at a Pentecostal tent meeting. And his dad told him, those crazies won't even be around in five years. He was a charter member of Bethel Assembly of God in Martinsburg. He lived to, he was 91 years old, dedicated our first child. And I think I told you a story. He held her up like Mufasa, like, like, like that. I remember him telling me at 91, he was dying of cancer and he would have his Bible on his chest and he would say, Chris, feed off of this. This is your life. I was 20, 21 years old when he died. I remember having that legacy of faith back as far as I could see. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that even when I was off the rails, I could look back and see how God, how God had been faithful. That somebody stepped in the water before I came along. I'm thankful for that. And maybe you're looking up at me saying, Chris, I don't have that story. Maybe you're the first person in your family to put a toe in the water. Can I tell you this? Stones get stacked either way. Whether you're the first or the 50th, the legacy is still being laid. And, and what I want to say to you this morning is the same thing Joshua said to them. When your kids ask you, you'll remember the faithfulness of God. Somebody has to step in the water. Maybe you're here for the first time today. You're saying, somebody, it's you. If, God's, if, if you're here this morning, God's speaking to you and say, put your toe in the water and, te- and test me. I, I'll back the water up. I'll do the miracle. Somebody has to step in the water. We, um, we talked about this a little bit last week, I think, about looking back and seeing God's goodness. Choosing to see God's goodness. Here's what, here's what I realized. God will do the miracle, but you choose how it gets remembered. So the deal was, I'm going to split this open, and I want you to walk down through it. Now, let me back up a second. Can we, can we just stop for one second? I need to read something to you. There's, there's a point in time where Joshua chapter 4, verse 10, it says, The people passed over in haste. <laughs> Before we get to the last thing, I need to make sure you understand this. Many times the reason we don't experience a miracle because we're trying to make sense of it all. You know what I'm talking about, right? God wants to do something in our lives and we're going, hey Lord, you know what? Uh, You know, um, I know a little bit about this and this really doesn't make a whole lot of sense that we got this planned out. So if we can have a couple discussions about it, it'll be wonderful have a couple discussions. Maybe we could trade ideas. Maybe we could, um, maybe we get a committee. By the way, by the way, God hates committees. He, he told me hates them. Uh, he hates them. Maybe we could come to a group decision about whether we should cross over now or not. I love it that once the water stops up, there's no questioning about if it's real or not. Once the water stops up, nobody's going, hey man, you think that's real? It says they crossed over in haste. Oh no, that water backed up, I'm going. You can forget that. I'm not going to question whether the water's backed up or not. If it's a mirage, we're all going to die because we're going. There is something to be said about not questioning God, but acting on what he has said. Now watch this. Here's how it plays out in our lives. I know we're not crossing Jordan rivers anymore. I know we're not doing that, but here's how it works. 
You ever been to Walmart and you got that little thing in your head that went, hey, you should do this. And you went, I don't know. You should be nice to this person. I don't know. You should be generous to that person. I don't know. Maybe it's your neighbor. You're out mowing your grass and you know your neighbor's been laid up. And, and, and this little thing inside your head says, hey, you should go over mow, mow his grass. You're like, Lord, he's been a jerk to me. I don't know if that's a good idea or not. We always start wondering if it's, why is it we only question God? Can I be honest with you? When the devil tempts us, we never go, why? Is that really the devil? No. We always go, is that, was that God? Or was it just indigestion that made me want to help my neighbor? Or was it, what was that? I don't understand. No, no, no. When God sets up the miracle, you just cross in haste. You don't question whether it's real. You don't question whether it's the right thing or not. Hey, if the water's backed up, we're going. So here's what I would like us to start doing. If you get the inclination to do something godly, it came from God. (laughs) Thank you. Where else would it have come from? Oh, the devil's trying to trick me into doing something good again. I knew it. I knew he was the man. He is deceitful beyond all recognition. He's actually trying to trick me into doing something God wants me to do. I won't do it. I refuse. If it's a godly inclination, just do it. Because godly inclinations come from God. It's the Holy Spirit inside of you causing you to think that way. So why would it be crazy if you just came out of a church service that talked about acting on faith and you were somewhere and had the opportunity to act by faith? And why would you go, I don't know if that's real. It's real. Act in haste. Just cross over. I love it that they didn't take a lot of time. Here's something else. I love it that they didn't stay in the middle of the river. Let me just say here for a second, some of you are trying to live where God wanted you to cross over. Some of you are saying, this is so good right now, I don't want to leave. I don't want to move. I don't want to do anything different. I just want this moment to stay forever. There's a song about that, I think, but I just want this thing. And God's saying, no, I want you to go experience something better. And what we have to convince ourselves as Christians is this miracle is not the best that God has for us. This miracle is getting us to where the best that God has for us is. If he walks you through the valley of the shadow of death, it's not to leave you sitting there and him supply for you. It's to get you to a better place of supply. That was last week, I know. He's not telling you to stop in the middle of the river and stargaze. He's saying, I've got a promised land on the other side that you need to get at. So keep moving. It says they moved in haste. They crossed over in haste. Here's another argument for not questioning too many things. Mark chapter six, verse seven. And he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two. This is Jesus. And gave them authority over unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if you, any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake the dust off of your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons... Come on. And anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Okay. This is the recount of Jesus sending out the 12 disciples two by two to go out. He said, here's the power. Now your faith will complete the circuit. But I got to be honest with you. If it was me, I'd have been like, hey, shouldn't we at least take a little petty cash? Shouldn't we take two coats? Shouldn't we at least take a little beef jerky? You know, have something to eat on your way. Shouldn't we at least prepare a little bit? Come on, how how many of you prepares out there? Jesus just said, go on. Don't even take a belt. Don't even take a coat. Don't even take any way to defend yourself. Don't even take, don't, don't take any food. Don't take anything. Just go out and cast out demons and heal the sick. 50% 50% of us are like, I think that's a bad idea. I don't know. You didn't plan. This, is, this, is, this doesn't sound like a success to me. 
but they acted in faith. And what was the result? When they, when they did something that didn't make sense because they were encouraged by God himself, they came back with this testimony. We cast out demons and healed the sick. You want to talk about changing legacies. If you cast a demon out of a person, their future is forever changed. Amen. Everything about them changed. Everything about the people related to them has changed. Everything about the people around them is changed. And none of it made any sense. Jesus said, just go off and I'm just sending you out. Don't question a whole bunch of stuff. Just go out. I'll provide. I'll do all this stuff. Just do it. Sounded as crazy as walking across the Jordan River on dry ground. The power is available. Faith completes the circuit. And miracles happen. All right, last thing, last thing. We get to remember. We get to choose how we remember. Watch this. They get down the middle of the river, 12 guys are supposed to pick up 12 stones. Now you can imagine, there's wild estimates about how many Israelites were part of that at this time from hundreds of thousands to over a million. It was a lot of people either way to get across this river. 12 guys got to stop and pick up stones that they can get up on their shoulders, big stones. They're going to walk, finish walking across. It says they're going to carry them to wherever they're camping. They're going to stack them up. Actually, stacking up stones was not even new to these people. You read before this that people stacked up stones. Even, even people that didn't follow the one true God stacked up stones. It was, kind of a, it was kind of a deal. People set up memorials that way. There was stone stacking that happened. But this was going to be different. This is going to be different because if you would just have grabbed any random stones, you could have stacked them up there and somebody would have walked by and said, oh man, something happened here. Huh. Yeah, that's crazy. Somebody stacked some stones up here. Yeah. wonder what that meant. He didn't just say stack stones. He said stack stones out of the river. Now what you have to remember is they had snorkels, scuba divers. There was no, there was no, there was no place you, you couldn't call Lowe's and just buy river stones. Hey, bring me out a truckload of river stones. They were grabbing something from, from a place nobody had seen. Nobody had been down there. They were grabbing stones from the bottom of the river. And you know what stones from the bottom of the river look like, don't you? They're all smooth, washed over. They're not jagged. They've been, they've been caressed by the water for thousands of years. And they're just smooth and silky. And they took those stones and they stacked them up in a place where they should not have been. So it wasn't people walking by just going, hey man, there's a couple stones here. I guess something happened. No, as soon as they saw them, they said, whoa, something crazy happened here. Something so out of the ordinary. I've never seen a stone like that out of the river. So let me ask you this. Are you walking through something right now? All you're doing is asking to get to the other side and God's telling you, hey, stop long enough to pick something up. Stop long enough to pick something up. I, I, I know you want to get across really fast. I appreciate that. Just stop long enough to pick it up. Pick it up and stack it on the other side because the people coming after you, you need to be able to explain to them how crazy this was. You need to be able to explain to them how good God's mercy and grace was you. You need to be able to explain to them how unbelievable faithful he has been that you walk through dry ground. Nobody's going to believe it unless you grab something from the bottom and you stack it up where it's not supposed to be. But if you will stack these stones up when your kids get older, they're going to say, hey, dad. How'd those stones get there, boy? I remember when we crossed that river the first time. That thing was dry as a bone. We picked up rocks out of that river. We stacked them up so that nobody would forget how faithful God is. If you're going to run across the river, do it fast. But don't do it so fast you you don't grab something to remember it by. God has been so good to us. He has been so faithful. I need to read you one last thing. Stand to your feet. Listen to this. The stones are so we don't forget. 
The stones are so we so we can always remember the amazing thing that God has done for us. Now watch. This is way before this happens. Moses at the end of his life in the book of Deuteronomy, he preaches, the whole book is a sermon he's preaching. And he says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I've commanded you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God, now listen, when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Moses preaches the sermon in Deuteronomy. Then we fast forward to Joshua and they're walking across stacking up stones to make sure nobody forgets. You remember we were the people who were lost. We were the people who were in slavery. We were the people that we didn't never thought we were going to get out of this, but God's is so good. So your story over and over and over again is the exact same that I never thought that would happen, but God did it. And I won't let anybody forget. I'm going to make sure my kids know. I'm going to make sure my grandkids know. I'm going to make sure my great grandkids know that God has been faithful. Amen. So can we thank him for that this morning? Every person in the building, he has been faithful to you. He has been good to you. God, we just lift you up. Come on, if he's moved a mountain in your life, lift your voice. He will keep doing it. He is faithful to see us through.